Wow, that was quite a bit of music there. I didn't think we'd ever get a chance to talk. Isn't that wonderful? Counterstruck. Counterstruck. That was excellent. Very well done. Lyrics by Dennis Donovan. And singing by Stephen Stewart. Stephen Stewart, yes. With the original melody by ACDC. <laughs> That's yeah. correct. I'm sure they won't be calling us. You know, I can nope. understand why some artists will call and uh, or the, the publishing company will come after you because they're afraid you're going to probably take business away. But I don't think we have anything to worry about. No, we do not. With that. That is correct. Though they, they'll probably be playing that at a lot of ASL tournaments this year. I the think opening so. song, you know. Yes, people walk in. That's very popular now. Do they ever do the name thing? Like like they do at weddings? Yeah. Like announcements? Yeah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here yeah. coming into the asshole open is Dave Goldman. Rom Wolke. Yeah. Rich Spooky. Rich Domovic. Yeah, it's good. Gary Fortenberry. Yeah. We've got the pipes for it. Well, everybody, welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads, the one and only podcast on the net where there's no swearing. I think it's the only it, podcast uh, where there's no swearing. You know, almost sadly could be. Um, yeah. A friend had me get into a podcast called True History. Oh, they swear a lot on that. No, no. I you have No, heard. I'm guessing. No, I don't know. Uh, just, just one or two, just enough to ruin it for me yeah <laughs> and it, and it's it's good though this narrator reads these stories that are written actually written um and i'm assuming they're mostly true but they're written in a funny way but so he obviously does preparation for his show yes now uh revolutions currently going by uh recall the guy who made the history of rome mm-hmm. no swearing Ah, no swearing. Yep. And pre writes it. He's a great historian. He sells books now, partly because of the podcast. Everyone loves History of Rome. And now he's doing revolutions. So today I was listening to the Russian Revolution. And he really gets into these terms like liberal and socialist and that we banter around in America with no real concept of the meaning. Well, yeah. we use them more as name calling than anything else. Right. But he was saying there were no real liberals in, in Russia as we think of them in our culture. In the other European cultures, it pretty much was you were gung ho czar, you were a socialist, the kind of the only thoughts, you know, streams of thought going on at the time mm. leading into the um, overthrow of the czar. Yeah. And there's so many different counter revolutions. And he's but he's really careful to lay out everything, you know, with the whole means of production stuff that I actually never really learned. Other than when I started teaching it. Oh, yeah. Not to the detail that was written up in these manifestos and these different variations on it and permutations. This is my problem with a lot of stuff is it's more complicated than I thought. <laughs> It is more complicated than yeah, you thought. I was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't we just have the Bolsheviks come and kill the Tsar right. and that be it? Yep. What's with all these white Russians and yeah. Mensheviks and all these other people? Yes. 
people with names, lots of people Socialist with names, versus communists and lots versus of different parties. And I had that problem. I was reading about Mao Zedong and uh, coming into power. I need to learn more. Oh about that. man, that was complicated. And I, I have a book on the bookshelf. Actually, it's in my Kindle bookshelf called "The Last Thousand Days of the British Empire." And for some reason, I was just tinkering around on the Kindle today, and I saw that, huh. and I pulled that up, and I was reading the preface, which was about a hundred pages long, I think. And he was going into a lot more detail on everything, and the, I just thought, I just can't, I can't do it. It's too detailed. It is. Give me the Reader's Digest version. For those of you who are too young to know what the Reader's Digest version is, ask your grandpa. <laughs> He'll tell you what that means. Anyway, yeah, no swearing still you know, on this you show. You know, Jeff, I, I'll jump back to this Counterstruck song. Yeah. I believe in my house I have the sheet from the Texas attorney with all the names on it. I will be willing to send that to someone who... First one to email us and ask for it. It's minus some counters. Oh. Do you know which two? Yeah, probably yours. <laughs> and yours. Oh, and mine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, you would I be. was kind of keeping it, but I think yeah. I'd be willing to go ahead and... Someone out there has got to have lost their counter by now and need a new one. And need, yes, I'll that's send you true. the whole, the whole little half sheet. We really love that and we appreciate that so much. That they included us. Oh, it's a very kind offer. I, you know, I think I'll throw mine into that as well. Are you sure? Yeah. Or should we have yours be individual people who lost theirs? Can yeah. only have theirs sent to them. Right. Oh, send us a self-addressed stamped envelope. Right. Should we do that? Yeah. Okay. Send us a self-addressed stamped envelope for your counter, and I will plop it in there. Yeah. Uh, so, first and one to email for the ha Dave's half sheet whole thing. Gets it mailed to them. Yeah. Everyone else, only you can request your own counter. Yes. Okay, email us, Gmail us, and, and we'll, we'll figure it out. Dave will send yeah. you his address. Or P.O. Box if we don't trust you. Well, <laughs> that's right. We have to give away our address. Which we've given Which we out do before. pretty well. <laughs> but email us and ask for our address. We'll give you the address. Send us a self-addressed stamp. Or I, we'll just send you it. You send us your address. Yeah, let's take my house out of it. And we'll... Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, why should they send us a Right, we can afford to, to pay your stamp. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've got a bunch of those uh, never... Those forever stamps. So I can use those. And I have World War One forever stamps. Mine are Wonder Woman. Yeah. What does that say about you? <laughs> she was World War One, I, I think, originally. I yeah. Could have been. Yeah. Did you know she... Didn't have superpowers during the 50s. Really? She was just wonderful? I was listening to Gloria Steinem on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Mm. Very mm -hmm. funny Saturday morning uh, news yeah, comedy I like that show. show. Um, yeah, and she'd pointed out Wonder Woman lost her superpowers in the 50s. Oh, she, she had them and then lost them? Because they didn't want to have a woman being like that. Oh. And so that? there was a movement to have them ever restored to her full glory. Which she has done. Yes. Yeah. And beyond now, yeah. probably. She's buff. Yes. And the guy the guy on the radio said something like, uh, oh, so we have 
we have people who did that to thank for that 1970s version of the show. Was that when it was on? Yeah. Yeah, I think it started Linda in the Carter? 70s. Linda Carter? Yeah. And the lady said, oh, well, something, I forget what, but then the guy said, no, I don't think that's what my 14-year-old mind was <laughs> thinking yeah. about when I was watching. Probably not. <laughs> Pretty honest response. So horrible show, in my opinion. Wonder uh, Woman. You know, I don't remember it. Remember? Very... Did you watch the Hulk? Uh, a couple Bill of Bixby? times. Yeah. <sighs> Awful. Were all these things bad. Awful, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't watch much then. So I was not that enamored with meeting uh, Lou Ferrigno when we went at Comic Con. But he wasn't the writer. No, I blame the writers and the director. There we go. Got myself out of a jam, I think. With Lou. Yeah, with Lou. come busting through the door here. (laughs) You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. So, what's new? How's Dave? Yeah, you know. You're you're back teaching. I took a 13-week substitute job, which when you do a day sub people, people looking for sub work out there, typically, typically, you can leave the grading. If you're nice, extra nice, you can do some of the grading on your breaks. And then, uh, but when you do the full-time pregnancy leave now, I'm back full in. And since I was gone, they doubled the number of meetings. Oh, that's going to be helpful. Well, from one a week to two. So everyone's, oh, "Oh, that's no big deal. But then I'm on a, that's an addition. That's just one of the meetings. Not including the faculty meetings, these other meetings. And then I, I'm on two teams, so I'm doing language arts and social studies. So I get double the double. So I kept trying to leave for a look to go. I used to go out to eat a lot last year. That's why I gained weight, which, you noticing? You're positively, you're a rail. You are yeah. a mere wisp. I, I think of it's your only taken self. me down 12 to 13 pounds. And that was your I, best part. I didn't really start till right I left school this yeah. spring, sadly. But anyway, so now I don't really want to go out again like I was, eating processed foods. So, But I thought I'd go Monday and Friday instead of many more days than that. I'm trying to head out, and they're like, oh, we have our meeting, our PLC meeting. I'm like, yeah, when was that? Oh, I forgot to check the the thing. Yeah, she gave me that list. When When is that one? It's now. I'm like, oh, what am I going to eat? She goes, you'll have the twenty, like the twenty minute slot from here to here before the kids come back. I'm thinking that that, that I'm not used to that. Last year, <laughs> I didn't have these meetings. Yeah, and at that slot, and I had a back to back lunch and a break, so it ain't going to be that way. But I am like, it's day two today. <laughs> day two, <laughs> and I'm shagged. Of thirteen weeks. I am shagged. I am regretting this. I don't blame you. I'm regretting it for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's too much. You were only off for eight weeks. Was it only eight weeks? Something like that. It's a little pa- more. If I didn't have to Nine do weeks. the paperwork, and then oh, and then I, the, the, they changed the computer, the gradings, the canvas. Yeah. From the of just used in Google to Canvas. I don't know how it works. Always they help me a lot, but I'm always imposing on people. So it wasn't. If it wasn't for the meeting, the meetings, the gradings, grading. The kids. 
<laughs> no, no. Only one class am I going to complain about. Oh, okay. Problem, and they're nice enough. The I problem mean, is you tasted freedom, Dave. I did. And the then problem. you went back into yeah, the lair because I was the, doing this the, for thirty-four years. The lion's den. Yeah, the devil's lair. Honestly, yeah, it's different. It's uh, next time you con- are considering taking one of these positions, come on over here, and I'll hit you over the head with a folding chair. Well, I don't know if you met Vince yet. You will at the next guy's night. No, I don't think I met Vince. Tall guy from the Florida trip that I yeah met. No. We're both in gaming, so now we're hanging out all the time. Um, yeah, as soon as he came over for D&D the other night, he sat down and said, What were you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I'm spanking you. So the good, the good news is there's an end again, unlike hyperspace. the rest of our listeners who have to go 10 years, 20 years. You know, Jeff, this show is also brought to you... By the wonderful people at Bounding Fire Productions. Bounding Fire Productions are the makers of fine quality products. Products such as... Poland in Flames. And... Operation Schmidt. Or crucible of steel. Uh, crucible of steel. One of my, yeah, actually, one of my favorites. <laughs> just think of our other ad when we were disco dancing. Beyond the beachhead. Love beyond the beachhead. <laughs> you just said that. Tales you from the said, attic. Just oh, said, you just said that attic. to get out of having to come up with another game name. <laughs> um. Bungle in the jungle. No, bungle in the jungle. <laughs> that's what blood we ju- call blood, it. Yeah, we call it that. But blood and jungle. And jungle great pack, and that's. Still I'm going to yeah. play more. I'm going to get to playing those now. Finally, because I still haven't finished all my into the rubbles. Bounding fire. Bounding fire productions. Buy it or else. Well, let's get back. What do you say we get back to a little bit of the old? Uh, ASL, and something completely different. Well, not completely. A different theme song. Yeah, why not? For Box Art Review. But Jeff, before we start Box Art Review, I think we should make an announcement. Can you loop loop that song? Because you might need to. Unicum. Brought to you from fine listeners like my son. Ah, this is the beverage we talked about on the air that is brought over from Europe from Aaron to Adam as mm-hmm. a special gift. When we went to Illinois State to see Adam for Parents Weekend, mm-hmm. he allowed me to bring this bottle home. So, as we promised you, you could have a taste. Okay, so I'm going to need a glass. And what kind of glass are you getting? What? Something extra special. It's a two half squads clink and drink triple shot glass. It is. Is it more than a regular shot glass? If you're drinking shots this big, <laughs> well, look how skinny it I is. I could just hug you. It's it tall might be and a skinny. Double. Might be a double. It might be a double. Let's pour them up in these special shot glasses. Yeah. And then. Glug, 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 glug. Wow, 
You just have to have a taste. All right. Okay, thank you. That might be enough. Now, this is going <laughs> to... So, Are you ready for this? Yeah. Oh, before... Uh, sorry, I smelled it. He smelled it. it. I smelled it. Smells it smells a little like um, Jägermeister. Wow, open my sinuses like all the way through the top of my head. <laughs> it kind of does. Yeah. Do, do you chug this or do we sip this? You can sip. Here we okay. go. Clink, Clink and, and drink. drink. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. And it's not going to go away anytime soon. That is horrible. <laughs> I kind of like it now. Do you really? No, I don't. <laughs> this would get me to quit drinking. <laughs> Definitely. It, it can. What it's, the heck, It's Jeff? awful. Is it the most bitter? And you're still tasting it, aren't you? Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to think of what it keep that it tea around. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff has some tea. I have some Diet Coke with raspberry syrup <clears throat> that I make myself at home with syrup from. Oh man, I had a little more. <laughs> you just had a little more because I couldn't believe how bad this is. So this is made deliberately. <laughs> yes. For human consumption. It is. Wow. <laughs> but they never have to worry about it selling out. Oh, you just downed the whole thing. Ah. You can't get it in the United States. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm sure there's... Well, there's obviously a very good reason for it. This is the official Unicum. What is this? A little licorice yeah? A little jaeger Something, but, yeah. Boy, Jaegers, I'd rather have Jaeger. It it's is, not as bad... Uh, honestly, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Okay. Well, it's... You know, it's actually kind of drinkable. <laughs> <laughs> Did you time that joke right with the uh, punchline of the song? No, there? I didn't. Boom, boom. But now that we are properly clinked Looped. and drinked. Yes. Oh, we need to announce that, listeners, only one other person has one of these shot glasses, and that is Dennis Donovan. Yes. I ordered one for Jeff because it was a little expensive. And his wife, Dennis's wife, asked for a special treat from us for Dennis's birthday. So... Uh, she said, like, can you just email him, tell him happy birthday? And I just had to say, the guy that writes all these great songs for us, like yeah. Counterstruck. Oh, yeah. Send me your address. I got something for him. So Dennis has had the only Clink and Drink two half squad shot glass for all this these months. But now you can have one at home for the low, low price of... $20. $20. Yeah. <laughs> And that may seem steep to you, and it is. This is an elite. <laughs> this is an elite product that you're unworthy to have <laughs> unless you have lots of money and can throw it away on a podcast like this. So, how do they get this, Jeff? Well, they send us twenty dollars, and it can be a check <laughs> made out to. I'm kind of catching on how this all works. <laughs> or they could uh, donate. Yeah. On the sure, they could donate it. They could go to our website and log into um, PayPal. You do not need a PayPal account. If you have a credit card, you can just go there and pay with a credit card. Indeed. But the problem is, what if 20 people all donated at once? 
we only have 16 of these glasses. Yeah. It's going to be first come, first serve. So if you donate... Oh, and 14. 14, These right. two I bought for us with yeah. my own money. <laughs> so Jeff and I have one. So we'll tr- we'll try to keep you advised. Yeah, yeah you'd have to If you email. donate and... Gmail us first. Yeah. That'd let be a let good. us say, hey, yeah. yeah, we got one. Yeah, Gmail us first yes. before then, you donate. Then we'll ask you for your address. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the kicker. <laughs> Some a, of the glasses say clink and drink with Jeff and Dave. And others say with Dave and Jeff. The right proper way. Yeah. So the right and proper way. Can you request to have a specific one? No, you cannot. No. I I'm not about to be embarrassed by everyone requesting a Jeff and Dave <laughs> glass. So you cannot. But you can the luck tr- of the draw. collect them all. Or you can trade them with your friends. It's think of it like magic yeah. cards. You don't know which one of more value you will get. Yeah, collect them all. You mean there's collect them both. There's two. There's two. Cool, you'll, cool. You'll want to buy a special curio cabinet to display these fine, fine uh, pieces. Very of fine glassware. Very it's, nicely done, though, Dave. I I could tell you spent a lot of time on this design. <laughs> Yeah, the design. They're nice. Yeah, well, they yeah, make really it kind of nice. easy. But yeah, I I thought it looked sharp, man. I would be proud so. to get plowed uh, <laughs> from a with one of these. Clink and drink the two half spots, and we'll get a. This picture will be posted on the website, so go there, read the write up. And now back to box art review review. Get out your. Winter Offensive Packs 7 and Winter Offensive Bonus Pack 10. Lay them side by side because today is Compare and Contrast Box Art. And tra- Compare and Contrast. <laughs> well, so Jeff, looking at these works of art, we used to have a problem with something that looked like Bonus Pack 10 from MMP, Winter Offensive Bonus Pack 10, looking like a photograph. Yes. Whereas the one on the left, the bonus pack seven, looks like an actual painting. Maybe even a photo, well, yeah, a photograph possibly? Possibly, but done over with possibly. lots of different art techniques. Let me look at this Japanese leader here. What's Sam Tyson? <laughs> Is no, it? No, it's not. No. I think it's Dennis Donovan. No, I don't know. This actually... Could be. It's got kind of the look. Could of it a be photograph. Jazz Argent? It could be. Yeah, it could be one of the guys uh, posing. So it in the in the jungle. But you see a Japanese leader. Yeah, Japanese leader holding aloft a samurai sword and screaming. He's got. He's he looks very angry. And what's he yelling, Jeff? Bonsai. That's right. Not bonsai like the plant, but bonsai yeah. like the yell. And he's flanked by some soldiers. It seems to have a bit of a triangle effect with him larger in the triangle. center. Wouldn't, yes. Couldn't have art. It's not art unless it's a triangle. Now, do we see a triangle on bonus pack 10? No. Look again. No. Look again. No. How do you not see that? Okay, I see it. It's a little broken up by the guys on the left. But if you follow your eye, listeners, along the machine gun of... Oh, wait. These are these are chai, chai comms. Give me another glass of unicum. Maybe I'll see the uh, 
the triangle then. Here. Are these Chicoms? Look. Oh, they are. I think. From Korea. And if your eye goes up the leg of the soldier, up to his head, across his arms, up the flagpole, and then down. It's a slightly asymmetrical triangle. They don't have to be symmetrical. Mm -hmm. That would be unnatural. And uh, what do you think of the color palette on the, these two? Well, I suppose the richness of the jungle on bonus pack seven, which we have on the left, the sharp light shooting down through the palms, nice. The bonus pack 10, which is really like a photograph in maybe a three to four monochromatic. Yes. Three to four shades, really black and red design. Yeah, a little more stark, <sighs> cold, business-like. It is, just like the Chai Coms themselves. Yeah. Compared to the Japanese, who are warm and friendly. Reminds me of a little... Uh, reminds me a little of a uh, propaganda poster hey, in the way of, that it's colored. And, yeah. Yeah, slightly. But I think north. the effect overall, the effect is very good on it. There's good action and a variety of poses there by the, the two soldiers and then the guy carrying the flag who looks very determined. That is true. You get a nice sense of depth on the picture with yeah. the foreground figure being very large. Yeah, the one thing that these... You know, Wonderful by virtue of the fact art. that they're pictures, they look more like pictures, is they're just more realistic. You know, an artist sometimes has a problem developing that depth <laughs> of field of depth when you look at some of our, uh, some of the early ASL art. So this is very good. Uh, similarity, they both have a screaming soldier with an uh, upraised item. Yeah. A lot of anger. They anger both, and angst. Yes, they both exude. feel it. Oh, yes. Uh, they're similar. All the soldiers depicted have weapons and some kinds of uniforms. Um, the the uh, bonus pack seven, this Japanese group, it's a little frightening the more you look at it. It's very realistic. Like, they're really charging at you. Maybe it's the unicum. <laughs> Pour me another glass. <laughs> Could be. Look like they're running right out at you. And over on bonus pack 10, I thought, I think it's also, he's got a microphone up to his mouth, the foreground guy. Oh, it is a microphone. I, I thought he was holding a grenade. No, I think he's recording a song. <laughs> okay. Like yeah. Counter-Struck or... Yeah. yeah. Or do you think that's a grenade? Yeah, I hand it over. I think it's a grenade. <laughs> It is a grenade. He's he's singing into the grenade. Why would he be singing into the grenade? Well, he's grown fond of it, I suppose. He's carried it around long enough, and he hates to give it up. Well, and now that I'm looking at bonus pack seven up close, I think the Japanese officer is actually singing also. Look closely. Now, see? New York, New York. Dun, dun, dun. Look at his mouth. York. Dun, oh, yeah, dun, it does look like York. I, I think he is singing. So he knows the war's over soon, and he's trying to escape the trials that will be held at Tokyo. I'm sure that's exactly. The war crimes trials. Yeah. Yes, exactly. By getting to New York. 
I have to say, uh, though, I prefer watercolors or oil painting kind of art. Me too. And then that would mean maybe you like seven better because it's closer to that it is. style. Yes. Than ten. Yeah. Ten's a little Warhol-ish. Yes. You know, but I'm trying to think. Mass-produced kind of look to it, like a Campbell's soup can. You know, definitely a homage to that. <laughs> now Jeff's looking at Atten and Flames box Well, I was cover. just yeah, you know, I was looking back <laughs> on some previous things, and that's very yeah, that's painted, isn't that's it? Atten well and Flames. Yes. Well, and it only makes sense that some of the bigger products are gonna they'll spend a little more money for proper art. And maybe these bonus packs don't warrant such. Makes sense. Not that there's anything wrong with these. They're fine. Well, anyway, I suppose that is the conclusion. Yeah, is there a clear winner here? Oh, boy, I hate to... I think it's a tie. It's a tie. Yeah. I don't love one or dislike one over the other. I think they're both good. So there it is. Excellent. Buy them both. Very excellent products. Box art review. Thank you, MMP, for providing. Oh, they uh, didn't. No, 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 they, they didn't. didn't. Never no. mind. We, I no, bought, thank I you. bought those. Yeah. I bought those. With funds donated from our wonderful listeners. Thank you, listeners. You take care of us when other people don't. Yeah, and there are ways to support our show. You can uh, support us by going to Patreon and uh, giving us a dollar or two every episode, if you like. Or you could go to our website and send us money through PayPal. You could donate product to us, if you'd like, or some other kind of gift. You could write songs. You could review us on your favorite podcast, Catching Sight or App. Or you could just say, hey, Jeff and Dave, you guys are great. You could reach up toward the stars and send us a blessing. A blessing. On our head, mazel tov, mazel tov. <laughs> yes. To have your child wed, mazel tov. Hey, now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. So a little something we like to call. What's, what's in the box? box? What's in the box? Why, we have some donated counter sheets from, of course, Broken Ground Design. We are going to continue to go through them. We have two sets this evening. Yay. And Jeff, which set do you have? Because two is better. Now listen, uh, folks, you better go to the Broken Ground Design website and download the Counter Art Explained so you can go along with us and see why their counters are better. Why they're better. Why they're good. Well, I've got French. And those are better because it's just hard to get French anymore. It is. I don't believe MMP has the French out right now. Yeah, I don't think so. And they will be coming. Supposedly, I think it's going to have the Denant uh, game in the new French when it when it sees light of day. Yeah. That'll be exciting. In the meantime, since people can't get those French counters, should we offer them up? Oh, let's do. Let's give these away. I'm, we're feeling generous, aren't we? We are. you got to pay for your shot glasses, but one lucky listener can get this counter set of French vehicles and, and infantry. Yeah, it's f- uh, four sheets, four counter sheets. We are not going to punch them for you. We are not going to trim the corners <laughs> for you. Simply send an e- Gmail to us, postmarked by 
January 1st? Um, it's already no. This will air. This will go out in November, November 15th. They or, could, or maybe earlier. So they should be January, November 30th. Yeah. Oh, then they can get them. They'll have them by Christmas. No, I don't think it's long enough. That's two weeks. <clears throat> December 15th? Let's say December. We have to bargain. <laughs> We're bargaining. December 15th. Okay. So yes. send us an email by December 15th and say you want the French counters. And it says right on here, this is sample only. These are not for resale, so we better not be finding these on eBay or something like that. These are our gift to you, the listeners, just for being what you are, which is fantastic. We like to share the wealth a little bit. So I've got French counters here, and I've started off with some French tanks. Merci. That's French tanks. That is French tanks. Merci. That's You're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) So lots of French tanks, and being what they are, and being what it is, and all that being being, uh, these are all... Pretty small AFVs, lightweight, very light uh, armor, armor factors of one or zero. Do they have the FT-17? They do. There's oodles of FT-17s I have a model here. of that when I was teaching World War One. I. I oh, you it, do? I gave it to the lady I'm teaching for now, so the model sits behind and me And how does it look? Kind of looks like a just a big umbrella. Just well, a little tank. They, were, very little, little, they were very little I think tanks. they were three-man crews, maybe? Yeah. Maybe two. Yeah. They were very small, and it's kind of indicated on the counter that they are very small. The size is historically accurate? Yes, I would say so. And then there are some others here. I'm going to try to see these. The a- a- uh, AMR 33s. Mm-hmm. There's a slew of those. R35s. Uh, FCM 36s. Most of these I'm really not familiar with because I didn't, didn't really follow the early French tanks, but... Very big array. I mean, there's this is a whole counter sheet full of tanks. I've got three, two counter sheets just full of French tanks. All the French tanks you could want. Most of these are slow turret, but there are some fast turret. Uh, and there are a couple of, there's some trucks on here. Just looking for anything in particularly interesting. Yeah, and I have our second counter sheet set, and it's the free French, which sadly, ah, um, I think free. I'm, I'm going to keep it. So it won't yeah. be free to a listener. Okay. Because you can't get the free French, which I know makes right. me even more of an evil person to keep them for myself. But, um, yeah, I think I'll go ahead and punch them and have a set. The vehicles here, Jeff, from the free French... As you'd imagine, are they going to be the same? Uh, no. No, but there are some French vehicles. Now, I'm looking for the FT-17. Very few small vehicles here. So, obviously, there is some, a lot of British because they're on the British colors with the French inside with the British uh, border, colored tan. The three-quarter ton trucks, the carriers, yep, Uh, M6 GMCs, so some American vehicles, M5A1 half-tracks, you got Jeeps, 
and mortars. <clears throat> Two and a half ton trucks. So you got, yep, a lot of British and some French. B1Bs, that's how I pronounce it. B1-B1S, B-I-S. The S35, I can't remember if that was a French vehicle, I think. The R35. Yep. But the Free French only has two counter sheets of uh, 5 8 inch counters. You get both of them. You don't get your full array of the snipers. Yes. Labeled 1 through 7. Always uh, love that. Concealment counters, some acquisition counters in the colors of the nation that you are playing. That is also unique. And I have two infantry sheets, Jeff. Do you have the same for the Free French? I have one infantry sheet. Really? Yeah, so I really have uh, two and a half vehicle sheets. The other half uh, of the third sheet is artillery, mortars, things like that. <clears throat> oh, Concealment yeah, counters, too. snipers, uh, AA guns. And the fourth sheet is the half-inch counters, so... Squads, half squads, assault engineers. Some of these with the white morale number on it, which shows that they're fanatic. Fanatic, either by heat of battle or going fanatic. Right. DC's flamethrowers, full color pictures, historically accurate uniforms. Yeah, they look great. Yeah, These you, look yours really good. are really the French uniforms. And the free French here, of course, look more like they're British equipped. Now, I have first line, second line greens, elites. Do you have all those? I do. You have assault engineers? We do. Indeed. And I like these because the, uh, the smoke factor on the squads is in a white circle, so very easy to see. If they're the assault engineers. I like that. And I, I'm still a huge fan of the acquisition counters in the colors of the nation for the direct fire. Yeah. X. They're A to H minus. Yes, mine too. And it's black or red, so you can get just two sets going there. Right. And the leaders all look very cool. Yeah, and the leaders, you can really see the detail of the uniforms. More so than on the squads, but they look terrific. Yep, you got your wounded counters, the typical broken ground design. Excellent. So if you like the French, just email us with that in the tagline. Is that called a tagline? Yeah. French counters. Yes. And we'll do a drawing on a show in December. So get it to us by December 15th. And to celebrate, we'll make up a nice beef bourguignon <laughs> and a glass of wine to go with these. Yeah. Is that your Julia Child? That's my Julia Child. Excellent. Uh, I didn't say it's very good. My Charlton Heston was very good this morning. I was woke up a little raspy. Oh, that helps. Yeah, I should record it in the morning. Well, Jeff, I think that's going to be uh, one more segment that I'm going to tag on here. Okay, right? good. Yep, 
That'll be coming up next. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Scenario analysis more in depth. Pardon everybody, you're gonna have to I have a bit of a cold and I'm recording in the basement of my house instead of at Jeff's with the nice microphones. So forgive the quality and uh my slight illness, but here we go. All right, everybody, we're going to look at HF1 scenarios from Hatton and Flames. It's called Black Day in Hatton. Of course, it's by Andy Rogers, who we interviewed on a previous show. It's going to use the O northeastern or upper right portion of the board. And the um, Germans set up first across a road and concealed, if in concealment terrain. They have... uh, Nine units to start with, for mostly first line, couple elites, normal leadership and machine guns, and a DC. They have a Shrek, and it is 1945, so they should have lots of Panzerfausts. Ten concealment counters, so those probably be dummies, and an infantry gun, one of those uh, LEIG-18 infantry guns, and it may not be uh, an initial placed. So it has to be on board, but it is uh, in, it is in place, but it cannot be hidden initial placed. HIP. Sorry. This game has a... Uh, oh, and then the Americans come... Oh, and then there's three more German reinforcement squad second lines that come on with a light machine gun on turn three on the east edge. The Americans are coming in with the elements of the 42nd Infantry Division and uh, 827th Tank Destroyer Battalion. Seven of the first line with the dreaded 666 with the 6 morale and two four second lines with the 6 morale and two elites four leaders three mediums two bazooka 45s two of the mortars and a tank leader 9914 three hellcats it's the M18s tanks and uh so to win Oh, and they, by special rule, they also it is plus one low visibility for the first two turns. And each American 60 millimeter mortar is considered to have white phosphorus of 10, availability number of 10 for its first white phosphorus to hit attempt. The Germans set up on the east side of the road, the Americans on the west side of the road, so they could be like right at each other to open up the battle. The Americans need to capture these seven building hexes, which actually are spread out along the road, so it's a little unusual. I think it looks like two buildings are up front, and uh, two are pretty far in the back to go get with some more in the middle. And then that can be reduced by one if one of the tanks remains on board alive, you know, not broken, No, fun- it has to have a functioning, you know, main armament. And that can reduce it, the controlling of the hexes, to six instead of the seven. So, pretty simple. That'll run six turns. Next one up is Hatton and Flames, HF2, Bertoldo the Brave. So this action picks up on the same day, January 9th, as the previous scenario. But the Americans have been taken over the whole board previously. They are now further to the east on the board and set up there and or enter there. So perhaps they went ahead and moved all the way off the board entirely. 
The plane surface is elongated by a third. It still runs along the north edge of the board. And so on this time we have seven second-line Americans and four first-line. Usual leadership, there's a heavy machine gun, the two bazes, a mortar. There's still the three Hellcats around and an 81-millimeter mortar and a 57 gun, an anti-tank gun, an M1, and six foxholes. So they could have dug in there in the, uh, after, I don't know, maybe the afternoon of having won the battle on the morning of the night in that pre-dawn d- darkness. And then the Germans set up east. No, no, wait, I have that back. Yeah, the Germans set up east, pushed further back almost off the board. And then the Americans can set up west of that further road to the right. So the Germans were pushed back into that end area, and the Americans can set up, or they can enter on or after turn once, maybe like the tanks come in. I don't know how you'd play that out, but the Germans have eight elites and eight first-line squads, nine nine two now, and a Shrek, two DCs, bringing in some armor personnel carriers, SPWs, and two Panzer Fives. There are the regular special scenario rules for the box set in play. And the American can place two rubble counters on board. And then the Germans win this time. So this is the counterattack later on, but the same day. Coming on by the Germans, and the Panthers are being brought up. And then there's this hero, obviously Bertoldo the Brave. He's a guy who is going to help fanatically. He's a private first class, and at the critical moment, he helps to fight off the German armor and infantry with a single-handed display of defiance, it says, that lasted two days, and he gets the Medal of Honor. And then over the next 24 hours, the Americans will take a beating while delaying the Germans. Germans have to come on and control greater than nine building hexes adjacent to three hexes. So they need to control a little larger area around three objectives. And that number can be reduced by a good German vehicle or increased by one if the Americans have a good uh, vehicle on board. Again, functioning main armament and all the usual stuff there. So how is this hero depicted? Yeah, there he is. He's a regular 149 hero. So he is on the board, Bertoldo the Brave. And I love the picture on Bertoldo the Brave. It's got a American in a foxhole with a bazooka and a flaming tank pretty far out there in the distance. I guess I didn't know they could shoot that far. Um, the next one is HF3, First Timers, again, by Andy Rogers. This plays the whole western half of the board, two-thirds of the board. And the Americans win by controlling greater than or equal to 13 billion locations within four hexes of K-23. So it's more like get this big area. Got a cool picture of a tank. Look at the camo pattern. Yeah, they did just take white spray paint, I think, and model up the vehicle. 
which it's got to be Americans and their Sherman and the uh, Germans. This one takes place still on January 9th. I think it's a different little front fighting to the south. And the Americans are trying to push. And the Germans set up north of the road. And the Americans set up south. Um, both can be concealed if in concealment terrain, and or the Americans can enter turn one on the west edge south of F-30. So, and, and then the after action kind of says, you know, how, however they, the Germans, posing them were equally inexperienced, consisting of late war replacements. However, they and some supporting panzers were initially able to fend off the attack in the fading light. A second American effort gained a smaller than expected toehold in this key village, but it was sufficient to prevent the Germans from completely encircling the defenders. So maybe that second American effort is going on in the... Uh, any support weapons that enter off-board must BDM. And there's a plus one LV hindrance at all ranges. It's a four-and-a-half turn game, so a real quick short one here. And you get the uh, Germans... Yeah, second lines, seven second lines, three elites now... And the usual stuff. A couple foxholes. And they get to place rubble counters this time for the American attack coming up. The Americans this time have the M4A3s, 76 L guns, two of those, two more Shermans with the 75s, two bazookas, the two mortars, the two mediums. So typical stuff there. And the second line, seven of those, and four first lines. So, yeah. Equally inexperienced is kind of right here, but could be, you know once you set this board up, you can play through several of these over a couple of days and see how they all fit together. Next up, HF four. There launches first. Takes place in the northeastern, maybe like third of the board. Now, this one gets us into the next day, early morning, dawn on January 10th. And we have the Americans setting up within three hexes of J-21, concealed if concealment terrain. I'll probably just quit saying that. It usually applies. With two immobilized tanks. You're welcome. M-10s, immobilized, set up. And then uh, on turn two, entering will come another uh, little platoon, is it? Three tanks of uh, the Hellcats, M18s. And the Germans are going to set up their armor and fighting vehicles, may set up in motion because they're going to be on the attack. This, this little puppy has the Germans spring in their attack right before the Americans are ready to spring theirs. Both sides feeling really confident that they can still win the day. The American gets to add three rubble counters. And an M10 GMC may set up in woods, orchards using hip and retain concealment as if in placed guns when firing their main armament. I like that little touch. Historically, this one starts to go a little worse for the American. Here's a fun one. HF5, Graveyard Shift, January 10th, 1945. Most of the village of Hatton under German control. There's a pocket of Americans down around, they call this, I guess, the fort. 
the western edge of the village. This is played in the bottom or southeast corner. And it includes along the railroad and the road, which were very critical to the American supply lines. And, I'm sorry, a critical supply route for the German units in Hatton. And down there are the Germans, and they're trying to control that, and they're held up in a cemetery, and there's a railroad station that has to be taken, and another building at the intersection of the road and the railway station. So, love the physical setup of that. And the Americans win by controlling the three graveyard hexes or more and making sure the building, the railroad station, the building on the corner there are both cleared of good order Germans. There's a plus one LB hindrance coming in on turns four, five, and six. It's a six-turn game. And that's going to be coming into the evening, I suppose, of January 10th. And the defending Germans weren't experienced but well dug in around the cemetery and there's some German anti-tank gun. There's one, four foxholes. German's a mixed bag again, but mostly conscripts. They get to add some rubble counters. And prior to setup, the American can secretly record a playable hex, and then he places a smoke counter in there, an AR counter, accuracy die roll, once the air's position place a plus three smoke counter in that hex and all adjacent hexes, so does a you know smoke OBA coming on and hitting there for the American attack. Americans got four elites and then eight first line and the same vehicles as last time. Four Shermans of various sorts. And that is Graveyard shift, and there's that graveyard, bottom right-hand corner of the board. Scenario HF6, Jackpot Jones, January 11th, throws us back up to the northwest corner of the board, and the Germans are going to attack from the east, the right, and the north edges, kind of in the corner. They can come on. With eight first lines, four elites, so they're a little more better quality now. I think they're throwing in some new units. Have three tanks, so two Panzer IVs, and then the Panther, and two little SPW-250s, what are those, armored cars, with a machine gun. Three of those little guys. Oh, and this area was known as the fort. So I was wrong when I was talking about the bottom right corner. Um, the tank commander, Sergeant Spencer Irving, was reported to have said to his gunner, do we take them 1-2-3 or 3-2-1? The tank destroyer crews, Americans, lived up to the talk and quickly dispatched the German tanks. However, the American infantry were fatigued after fighting continuously and were forced back by the aggressive Panzer Grenadiers, sufficiently allowing the attack through the Richthofen to go unhindered. The Americans may set up two of their tanks again in the woods orchard using HIP, and they have concealment as a in-place gun again. Still like it, so that's how I guess they get the advantages of on these Panzers. 
The Germans will win <clears throat> by controlling greater than or equal to 9 building locations within 2 hexes of K21. Reduced if the Germans have more mobile tanks, I'm just going to say tanks, with functioning main armament on board than the Americans. So a lot of these, you know, get that little tank battle going in there. And it helps the infantry reduce or increase the burden on the infantry, depending on how well they do. The next action, HF7, Gotta Get Out, is January 13th, uh, 1945. And this is back down to the um, bottom right or southern east corner around the Cemetery Railroad area. And again, the Germans are, looks like they're holding on to that. This time they have nine second-line squads, one elite, anti-tank gun, pack 40 maybe, oh, or a Shrek and an 81-millimeter mortar. So you're going to have to think that one through and pick one or the other. always like those choices. Entering on turn two, come two Panzer four J's with 75 L guns. And the rest of them are all, yeah, they're just set up there around, uh, well, anywhere they want in that bottom section pretty much. The Americans are going to come on turn one along this west and south edge this time. So in that corner down there. And the after-action report is talking about there's some fog in the early morning, and that's on the uh, game in the first two turns with the plus one LB hindrance. It's a five-turn game, well, four and a half, technically. And that the Americans, despite having some cover, and they lay down some kind of smokescreen, the German fire is still very accurate, especially on the tanks. And uh American guy says, hey, situation's piss poor, got to get out. And permission to withdraw is eventually arrived from headquarters. And thus the scenario title. And the um, Americans coming on with eight first lines, three elites, four leaders, and kind of the usual array of, you know, a couple light more, the small mortars, mediums, bazooka, a couple of each. Still the four Shermans, two of each type, and then some um, armor personnel carriers. M3, A1, M3 with the MMG. And the special rules, prior to setup, the Germans select one ordnance option to add to his at start OB. Each, each Panzerschreck may be kept off board and the ID of the unit possessing it recorded. A Panzerschreck is revealed if fire, drop, transfer, or its possessing unit no longer good order. And then special rule three, prior to German setup, the American player secretly records two hexes at the start of the American turn. He places, first prep fire, he places a dispersed smoke counter in each of these hexes. So there's your smoke screen. Excellent. Picture of a burning American tank in a blown up building. I wonder if all these pictures actually came from the historical event. But anyway, on to the last scenario of Hatton and Flames. HF8, Fahrenheit 352. 
January 14th, after five days of fighting, the area had largely been split in two. And so this battle comes up, and there are going to pit the in the... This uses a lot of the board, um, still northwest area. The fort, I guess. And the Americans win. They're going to be on the attack by having greater than or equal to one good order non-crew multi-man count counter in buildings K-16 and L-19. You just got to get one in there, kids. But the Germans move last. So... The uh, Germans with 11 first-line squads and the usual complement, foxholes, concealment counters, still concealed if in concealment terrain, set up north of the road. And then comes the elements of the 1st Battalion, Flampanzer Company, and the Panzer Ebdebelbelong 1, and yeah, so on. <laughs> and they enter on turn 3. And yeah, you heard it right, Flampanzer. So they're bringing on three of those guys, no, two, two of those guys with the 30 firepower flamethrower, two more Panzer IVs. Their initial force has no tanks. And then uh, three elites with a DC, so looking like some kind of assault engineers coming on with these Flampanzers. Quite a nice little touch to add in there on turn three of a six-turn game. The Americans, having set up south of that road, trying to push north, have seven elite, that's the most we've seen of those, and six first-line squads, and then the usual complement of stuff, and including three tanks, and then and three Bazooka 45s, and then... Entering on turn two, uh, three more tanks. And the special rules, the German places the four rubble counters this time and a burnt-out wreck in three specific hexes. The Americans, 60-millimeter mortar, have the white phosphorus of nine during game turn one. And seven thereafter. I like that. You know, if you got the weapon, I think Rich Spokey talked about that a lot. You want it to work at least once or twice. And after that, go with the regular kind of depletion rules, I suppose. And maybe even at the end of the game, say the things just run out of power. I don't know. And then the German player may enter the two AFV from his turn three reinforcements on turn two instead, having already expended six movement points if they do so. Oh, nice. So it can come on at half move a turn earlier or full move a turn later. Okay. So that is all of the eight scenarios from the Hatton and Flames pack. You play all these, I suggest, why not just do them in order? Why not? If this is what you're going to play, for sure do them in order. Um, and if you're a campaign gamer of course you have the two campaign games you want to hear more about this go back several episodes to the hatton and flames interview with andy rogers and uh back to you jeff and dave in the broadcast foxhole well that was great dave thank you for doing that you're welcome and i think that wraps it up for this show the episode 233 is done done i'm gonna wrap it up with a little ribbon 
give it a kiss, and send it on its way. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yep, indeed. We love each and every one of you from the bottom of our pure beef hearts. And remember to roll low. And rally well, won't you? But, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.